Show number 10. DAs. Yes. Friday. Friday. I've got coffee. I'm not a purple drink kind of guy. Too much sugar. Right. But, uh, uh, it really goes good with the Gallahorn. That's a Destiny, the first version of the game reference. I don't think you're going to get it. I didn't. I didn't know if it was some uh, beverage I was unfamiliar with or whatnot. As the kids say, whatnot. Isn't it funny how slang turns? Do you remember when Salty came back? Like everybody started, you know, like really like, oh, man, we're going to use a hip term like Salty. That was. Did it uh, ever go away? I yeah. Yeah. I mean I know from uh just being cognizant of uh I think I really started being informed about dialogue and word choice, you know, when you're a so probably in the mid eighties, you know, when you're a kid and suddenly you're just very aware of the words people use and that's so funny, even as a you know, a small child, I think that was one of the uh, very early in life, I was very aware that uh, just all these people who were screaming about free speech and freedom were also the same people who were saying, well, that's a dirty word. Don't use that word. That's evil. And I, you know, I just thought uh, these they must be hitting themselves in the head with bricks that you're you know, screaming about freedom and free speech and all that. And then they're turning around saying the words are bad. I was under the impression that uh, words are meaningless, you know, and you, 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 you put the power on them. You know, um, I do, which, uh, which is which is my official stance that there aren't bad words. They're just weak people. Obviously, there's hateful intent behind things. But also, you know, I mean, I've, again, ideally, we could build people up and help them uh, uh, be stronger than uh, stronger than words. But, you know, we're all we're all sensitive people. We're all sensitive little chickens, you know, um, thinking, thinking of sensitive little chickens. Uh, Steve Scalise, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Um, people that, you know, obviously they think, uh, January 6th wasn't a big deal, which sounds like they're encouraging people to do that at their houses and, um, you know, show up at their offices and do it, do it at their houses. Who knows? Who knows? Well, they do use words. Well, but they're words, but they're meaningless. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, they only appeal to the, uh, unfortunately, people who have identified themselves and want to maintain their identity and what, you know, the, the lowest common denominator. I still can't believe, uh, you know, for people that subscribe to bigoted beliefs that they haven't lynched, uh, um, Oh, you know the guy with the margarita recipe, Lindsey Graham. Surprised they haven't run him out of Congress and uh, lynched him, but I guess they would say he's, you know, that that that's how they know they claim to have a, a big tent, uh, which is not a not a not referencing anything else and not a pun, but uh, well, he certainly uh, represents uh, that gender within Lesser Carolina very well. Like, he's the penultimate form 
of a lesser Carolina mill. Oh, Lindsey Graham. Well, it's so weird. You think, I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine. I mean, he's obviously built an amazing life for himself and he's been able to overcome a lot. I, I feel like he ought to be, I mean, obviously, I mean, you gotta, you gotta call him out on all this fraud, fraud nonsense, but, um, um, but you think for, for, for people who are kind of trapped in that world, do you think he would be more of a, I don't say an icon, but somebody that they look up to and maybe they do. And I just don't know anything about that sub genre of, um, uh, conservative, conservative belief, but, um, I don't know. It's weird. It's we. Yeah. It's uh. You know. I mean. I'm. I'm. I'm fast. I'm fascinated by human behavior and and whatnot. But I'm. It just. It just uh, odd to me. And I'm probably. Well, I don't care if I'm the only person who thinks this. It's just odd to me that um, people that claim to have certain belief systems and in, and inside those belief systems is a hatred for people who engage in certain behaviors and are genetically different than they are. And, uh, but they, but they give uh, Lindsey Graham a free pass about it. So it's, it's, I mean, I'm happy that he's not being assaulted and, and, you know, harassed and having hate crimes done against him. But also I think he has a higher responsibility than, uh, you know, as, as a member of his community, I mean, he doesn't have to. Well, I think he should acknowledge it. I mean, if he's, you know, I mean, as, as many people as, as are harassed by, by his supporters and people who vote for the people that he claims to support and the belief systems he claims to support. I mean, he could, he could be helping people save lives and not, not feeling shamed and having to, you know, engage in self-harm or suicide and I, uh, it's it's uh what, what did you hear the shocking news that came out of uh yesterday i don't know if it's headlines everywhere but it really should be i don't know um i'm i'm seated and i've i'm on my second cup of coffee so i'll try not to have a disproportional response which news specifically i uh did not win the lottery Oh, well, now I'm going to get that axe handle and start breaking my furniture. I'm really upset about that. That I'm makes two of us. I'm, I'm just curious. Well, if it makes you... How do they keep their job ahead. when they keep failing at this simple task? If I failed at my well, job yeah, like they do their job, I would have been gone a long time ago. Well, there's much lower standards where they are, unfortunately. Um, well, it's the strangest thing. I mean, the, the, the threshold of achievement, and we can, uh, go back to this. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm think there needs to be a, a level of, uh, uh, enforced expectation among law, excuse me, law enforcement that is not being enforced at all. But I would say, uh, 
I'm looking for the uh, for the news story, but the uh, president of the North Carolina Sheriff's Association put out a letter. I think immediately after uh, after the uh, House, you know, the legislature overrode the uh, governor's veto on the gun. Uh, uh, the the basically pistol. the governor's veto, veto, yeah, had vetoed a, a a bill that had gone through that um, Senate Bill Forty One, which had eliminated background checks for handguns that had been conducted by local sheriff's office. This was good for a number of reasons, principally. Um, so. And I'm not shaming people with mental health issues when I say this. So psychopaths and domestic abusers couldn't go out and get guns and go kill people. Right, right. That was really the the crux of what the law was useful for. So just spoiler alert, when people with severe mental issues go out and buy guns and kill people and uh, abusive spouses who have restraining orders or whatever against whoever they were abusing, go get guns and show up and kill the person they were abusing, not the abusee killing the abuser, abusor, but the abusor showing up to kill the abusee and possibly children or other family members who might be involved. People that voted for this bill, that blood's on your hands. So if people want to file a lawsuit, I mean, this is why, I don't know if law, I guess the lawmakers have a qualified immunity, which is a scam, FYI, people who hide behind that. Uh, yeah, they do. In law enforcement. They certainly okay, well do then, because they're never going to well, be again, held accountable. Well, this this is the other reason. They don't even Spoiler you don't alert. even need qualified immunity when you just well they need never... well they they need they need to get rid of it because if they don't get rid of qualified immunity, people can sue them. They're going to be the victims of these gun crimes when people have family members killed because of this law. The same people that have their family members killed are going to go out and get a permit. And they're going to show up at your house, elected official, and because because there was no other avenue they could go down or to be made. Well, they're never going to be made whole again after people and their families are murdered. So just don't act surprised when well, you're pr- proud when, you voted for this and you're high fiving in the hallway about it. Whenever when somebody shows up when you're walking to your car, whenever yeah. they face the consequences of their actions on any level, they're surprised. But uh, causation is certainly a, a problem with doing really stupid things. And uh, But they're untouchable. God's got their back. Well, and h- hilariously enough, when there is some level of accountability for poor behavior, a.k.a. Trump indicted, <laughs> oh, it's the communist, it's the devil, it's... Get, yeah. get the f out of here. Get grow up. Well, grow up. You know, not to use any particular words until cup number three. Um, I, I'm curious about how they're going to detain him if he if he ever has to wear traditional garb during this process, or hopefully after, in particular. Um, Will he just appear to be naked in the sense 
while he's naked, he already looks like a Ken doll. Uh, it w- that would be his dream come true, wouldn't it? Well, not to shame uh, Oompa Loompas, but, well, I think he's more of an orange. He's more of a Cheeto shade than necessarily Oompa Loompa. But, yeah, the Ken doll thing, I think that's, well, that's the whole reason why you know, militant right-wing people were so suddenly, suddenly mad about Michelangelo's David is uh, <sighs> the same reason people get mad about that is that clearly, proportionally, the statue of David is more well-endowed than the people who are complaining, and that's why they're insecure and they're projecting their insecurities and manifesting it through more more fake outrage. Which uh, I did see a funny post earlier about wait till they uh, wait till they see the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> right. I think. Uh, I, but, uh, I also wonder if he is in an orange jumpsuit. Will he become invisible? Well, that would be like. Uh, if you've ever seen, there's a great far side comic about, uh, it's like a two older cows. I guess they're the parents or the grandparents or a neighbor sitting on the couch. One of them's knitting. And then the young, the younger, one of the younger cows comes in wearing leather. And then the, of the two older cows on the couch, one turns to the other and says, he's just doing it to be outrageous. <laughs> you know, right. So, but uh, yeah, no, it would definitely look like um, someone had skinned some other Donald Trumps to make a jumpsuit of the same orange material that he tries to have his flesh look like. Uh, kind um, of a a la Buffalo Bill kind of thing. Well, but even Buffalo Bill, while he tucked it down, was uh, clearly more. I don't know. It seems like Buffalo Bill's a lot more mentally stable, the character of Buffalo Bill, and. Uh, more uh, adept to uh, to uh, being in a polite society than uh, the old uh, the old orange goblin, but uh, now he's but he's doing a hell of a job. I mean, not a lot of pe- well, not a lot of people could you know um, bilk money out of their uh, out of their uh, followers the way he does. I mean, I I'm fascinated. I always thought it would be amazing, like one dream role I, I've, n- I've not yet played. I mean, maybe I would at, at some point, but uh, I always thought Jim Jones would just be an amazing um, process to go through that, to play that character. But then it almost seems like it would be played out because you see Trump on TV every day. I mean, it would be, it, but it almost, it would almost feel like cheating. You know, like how much deep diving would you have to do? I mean, yes, you do your research, you do your work, you know, you spend your time in the script, deconstruct the script, do all the stuff, you know, read about uh, his psychological profile, get into that, read about his, his followers, um, you know, what are what are situational things in their life, you know, that may have led to their psychological profile, what kind of environments did they grow up in? potential abuse, religious thing and all that. Um, but then it almost seems like, would it even be that interesting? I mean, maybe you'd say before Trump, there was Jim Joe, you know, but it almost seems played out. You know what I mean? Like maybe at the time, whenever I get Powers Booth had played him in the eighties. Right. Which was fantastic. Um, Powers Booth, man, you talk about, just a guy who was 
and and I mean, I guess as a, on a flattering standpoint, that people had said that I'd reminded them of him at some point. That was a you know a tremendous compliment. But you talk about somebody who's just underrated. Um, because I guess most people would probably. I'm trying to think what they. I mean, maybe they'd know him from Tombstone. Um, but he, where he was just electric. Uh, but you know, he was on 24 and he was in the Marvel films for a minute playing the president on both, uh, vice president or president on both, in both of those. But, um, as a child, I, and I guess he was one of my favorite actors and, you know, I mean, like a young child, I had no idea who he was, but he, he always, uh, drew my attention. How, well, you were, were you in high school and Red Dawn came out the real original version? Uh, what year did it come out? I think it was 84, 84, 85. No, I was, I was, uh, I'm not quite that old by a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. It was 84. It was 84. Um, Leo is about to play Jim Jones. Well, he gets all the good stuff. You know what I mean? That's all the good stuff. He does, but what gets me is this story is older than 25, so, you know, how's he going to uh, do don't, that? that don't, yeah, don't, well, I'm, I'm not a big fan of shaming, shaming successful people when, when other people want to be linked to them. Um, unless it's, unless it's, uh, the orange goblin. Yeah. Um, I, I was about to call that out, man. Way to jump in front well, of that was, one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not, uh, that always, I always, I always shake my head when, People are like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to word it specifically. Again, when people, when people hear me pause on this show, it's because tr- I'm trying to be specific with my word choices. And there's other people on other shows who are like, well, you're pausing or this. It's the same thing with people I used to work with where I'm trying to be, I, I, I make it a point to, uh, be specific with my language because they're waste because other people happen to be wasteful with their words and they're not being honest and I'm not not being honest I'm trying to be specific with my words to say exactly what I mean because if not I would go down uh, uh rabbit holes of uh telling people people would mistake my if I wasn't intentional with my language people would mistake me for uh uh explaining to people how fruitless their lives have been. And, uh, and that can manifest itself in a number of ways, but, uh, and it gives them opportunity to, to reflect on the wastefulness of their lives. Right. And I don't want people to, yeah. And I don't want people to mistake that for, uh, uh, communicating to them that they need to go do something to, to, to that, which is obviously not what I'm, here to do, and that's why I try to be intentional and specific and supportive and motivational with my word choice. But, uh, did you ever see Hatfields and McCoys that he was in with Kevin Costner and Bill Paxton? I watched some of it. Okay, I never got into Deadwood, but I've seen clips of it, and it seems like something I would enjoy, because yeah, it seems too. like it's Shakespeare, but in the American frontier. Um, oh, but the Leo thing, I would just say when people, when people say to dudes in their forties and fifties, why don't you date whoever finger quotes your own age? It's because, well, when I liked you, 
person my own age who didn't like me. So the dish is off the menu. There's certainly some of that. Um, I'm, I'm not one to, with any real intent, admonish somebody with an age difference. Uh, but I will say whatever I think is funny and I don't care about any of, of the other stuff. It, uh, it was low balling. I set the bar low and I'm proud of that. And anybody that can set the bar lower than me, I will admire. Well, you, you, uh, and I think we, you, you, you knocked it out of the park. I mean, I, I, I love, that's one thing I love about you is that you, um, I think you're a deserving person, but I think oh, also you are, well, I, it's true. I mean, if I didn't, I wouldn't say, but I, but I think you're, cause you're a kind, deserving person. And I think one thing that we have in common is that we both understand people go through, uh, seasons of life. Yes. And that, you know, we are, you have to find, in order to be an acceptable partner, you have to find the most complete, authentic version of yourself as you can. And for all people, not just men or whatever, it, sometimes that takes longer. Right. Um, and, and I know, I know tons of, I know tons of, uh, women who I wouldn't say they bought into the lie, but I mean, they did, they did the whole thing that maybe society expected of them of, um, Oh my God, I went to college. Oh my God, my friends got married. Oh my God, now I'm going to get married. So they got married before they're 25. They've had some kids and some of them love it, blah, blah, blah. But then the other ones are like, wow, this is unfulfilling. I don't like feeling like I'm waiting around for somebody to get paid in order to have access to funds. And then, um, and then they realize that it's, that it's not. And sometimes it is an amazing, blissful, happy relationship, but other times it's not. And, uh, they feel unfulfilled and then they either stay miserable or they get divorced. And I've never met anyone who got divorced who was, had been in that trajectory who was unhappy or miserable about it. Uh, they've, I mean, one of my, one of my friends, we were in Raleigh together. She, uh, built two extremely successful companies. Uh, and I think, and I'm sure most of the, I don't understand how, I mean, I don't think you can, I mean, don't get me wrong. College is not the most difficult thing in the world is, you know, is once you can get in and, you know, I mean, financially it's taxing, but if you're fortunate enough to, you know, college isn't the end of the world. You don't need college, but it's, you know, it's, I mean, I think the value in, in, in education is in the relationships that you build with people. And the, I mean, it's, it's good to have specialized training in something, but you don't have to spend, spoiler alert, a 50 or 100 grand a year or a semester to, get these things. Uh, and, and it's, and, and also it's possible that, you know, the finger quotes, bigger deal colleges, that it is just some level of, uh, uh, snobbery that's, and, and, and 
classism that's yet to be eliminated. But, you know, who knows when the machines rise up here in a few weeks. Please. Um, it's entirely, well, it's entirely possible. It's so funny. Neil deGrasse Tyson thinks the machines won't take over. And he's a smart guy, but I don't think he knows what the hell he's talking about. Um, cause this is exactly, I mean, if you were, if you were developing artificial intelligence or this or that, um, and you were trying to facilitate a situation to communicate to people, oh, there's no way this will ever happen. Right. And then it happens. This is exactly how you do it. Well, I'm, I'm going to say this about, and it, certainly goes back to Jeff Goldblum in the Jurassic Park era. There, there's no discipline in, in how quickly these machines are learning. They didn't evolve. And to think that they will devolve from a platform they're handed is likely. Uh, it, nature shows us, or our nature shows us, if we're handed power too quickly, we can't handle it. That's a first-hand uh, experience and example of the fact that you work with somebody, they get promoted, and they're a different person all of a sudden. Just curiosity alone without any real understanding of consequences, if these uh, entities are able to circumvent security, which... They think at the speed of lightning, uh, there's potential downside worthy of consideration is my measured response to AI. Well, 100%. And there's no, I don't know how people expect that they'll be able to rein it in. I mean, that's, uh, the, I mean, literally, do they think they'll be able to program a, a good T-800 to stop the T-1000? It, uh, I mean, it's a matter of a measured approach, but they're not taking that measured approach. You know, AI is built into being now, uh, and it's going to be in every, every aspect of technology now is going to include AI and it is hitting fast, man. I, I haven't really paid attention to it like I should, but, uh, I'm, I plan on using it. I have very specific uh, ideas of how I'm going to uh, utilize AI and it's replacing people that when I made my first attempt at a project, uh, I, I hired a couple of people that have experience in, in, uh, corporate iconic, uh, ecology, uh, and the fact that they, they feel they they were able to convey to me that they have this certain skill set, and then they spent the whole time telling me my idea was wrong for this reason and that reason, and they had a better way of looking at it, and would cut me off before I even could finish a thought. And eventually, they just took my money and ran, and uh, and it cracked me up because one of the last things I said to them is. Well, did you hear the second part of my idea? Which, you know, before they could even get the complete story, they took what they adored. They adored my idea and ran with it, which we all do. We hear, you know, the other night in class with that incredible script. 
It gave me ideas. It inspired me. I didn't take a big poop on the original author because, you know, respect and consideration. But, uh, yeah, AI is going to help me with this project. It's going to be adorable. And it, it, it also it is about my wife. Right on. A very talented person herself. She is indeed. My wife is sweet and wonderful, and I am just lucky beyond reason. And, and getting 100%. back to that, it, 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 Go ahead. It, it does take time. We we got to get our first marriage out of the way oftentimes. Um, people marry young. A lot of times it's just DNA donation or exchange. And then you look around when the kids are a little older and you're just, you're just like, I'm not going to go down like this. And, and before, for the most part, women were overwhelmingly trapped in that environment. Uh, and within my lifetime, uh, women couldn't open their own bank account if they were married. Just mm-hmm. not so. So it wasn't that marriage was stronger back in the day. Uh, the prison cells were stronger back in the day. I try to be a deserving person. I want to deserve and earn her love every day. That's what you got to do. I mean, it's that literally that, uh, that success is rented every day right pay, or success is rented and you got to pay the rent every day yeah. I, I feel fine with that term true love is uh it's a beautiful thing and it can certainly float uh without much energy at all but you know that you can't float on that for too terribly long you people are always going to feel resentment when being used Yeah, it's uh it's you know, people just mature differently. Um and I'm and I'm I'm not on the whole uh you know dump on men thing, but uh but obviously we're 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 simple animals and obviously well, less complex than our, our female counterparts. I'm gonna, I'm, to I'm gonna bash men right now for a quick moment, but I'm grateful for it. If I were in an environment where there were uh, men of quality in mass numbers, I probably wouldn't have stood a chance. Is you know, put your Oakleys on and go ahead and love your Andrew Tate, and uh, I'll just go over here and be happy with a wonderful person. That if you'd have developed an ounce of personality, you may have beat me to the punch. Yeah. Well, I think he, again, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of his and I'm not, you know, and I think he's, he's the epitome of a lot of the slang terms that are, that are, that have been trendy for a couple of years in a negative context. But I'd say whatever we could do to try to help build people up so they don't feel so alone that they have to resort to that and try to 
help people see their value to avoid the need for a Tate or something like that. But, um, but it, yeah, po- positive reinforcement and to help people avoid the need to hold on to tropes, you know, which I, unfortunately, you know, I mean, 73 million people, you know, in 2020 voted for worn out bad toxic tropes. Um, and obviously the king of the toxic tropes just, uh, just got indicted. So, you know, I mean, New York, New York's got bomb sniffing dogs out, you know, because they're concerned about some of those similarly, uh, minded people are going to launch another one of their, you know, what they don't understand are uh, terrorist attacks. Um, so how does, how does, how do guys reach that point? I mean, by the time I remember having to pull a chair up to the stove to cook my own food. My parents worked during the days. My sister was 10 years older than me. So for a while she was my parent, but then she discovered life and moved on and, uh, as she should have. And, but like by the time I was, Ten. I mean, I'm not a short guy, so if I had to pull a stool up or a chair up, I was probably four or five cooking my own food. Uh, if I wanted hot food, you know, I could always make a sandwich, but it didn't involve a burner. But by the time I was 10, I was able to do just about any household chore. I could iron. I could, I was basically a adulting. You know, my dad would pay me a quarter to iron his shirts and, and, uh, I developed a skill set. I, I knew how to cook. I knew how to clean. I knew how to do basically all the crap that I need, need to do now. At what age did you find yourself doing these things? I don't know. I grew up with a militant level of discipline, so I don't think I had the freedom to do a lot of those things. Interesting. Um, How do you think that affected you as far as when you were living on your own or in a situation where were you you confused or challenged by the notion that it, it could be different? No, but I, I, well, I wouldn't say I was, well, initially, because I was, you know, trapped in the, in the belief system of my environment for for part of my adult life, which I've obviously rejected since then, because I know that it's promotes evil and and, uh, hatred. Uh, And I'm not a fan of, I mean, I, I, the most fraudulent thing people can say to me, or say out loud, or say in the within earshot of anyone with a conscience, is that they scream about personal responsibility, and then they and then they jump up and down claiming some religious faith, when the whole crux of their religious faith is that I'm powerless, I've got to turn over everything to blah blah blah. Right. Well, you're eliminating, you're abdicating, you're you're throwing your personal accountability in the trash. When you do that. So if you're going to get up and jump up and down and claim to have all this faith and that you're saved and all this, you have zero personal accountability. Zero. Uh, anyway, so happy thoughts. Um, 
Um, and, and I look back on the things like when I said, Mom, I don't have any clean clothes. And she deadpans, well, I guess you better learn how to run a washing machine. And I think that was like the second grade. Uh, I look back on that and just I'm thankful for it. It it prepared me. Yeah, but I think you. But I think you have a again. I think you have a considerate heart, and that you have perspective, and that you can see the value in things. Like I try to communicate to 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 especially students, people of all ages, you can see that it's a teachable moment and not a uh, yeah, the yeah. universe yeah. acting out against you. Like you see the value in what can I learn from this, not why did this happen to me? Yeah, raising my own child, it was always about theory. You know, if I had to say more to him than dude with the look on my face, uh, I mean, he just 95% of the time got it. And it's certainly not easy raising a child, but uh, to this day, it, it shaped him into being somebody capable of doing the same things. Of course, that dude is a clone of me anyway. It's very bizarre. He thinks very highly of you. He, the one time... You know, during the bachelor party, he really enjoyed your company. Well, he's a, he's a super cool guy. I'm I'm happy that uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like we've always been fortunate. And and I mean, I guess there's outliers everywhere, but I feel like every time we've ever been able to bring people together or introduce people into um, uh, our sphere. Uh, everybody's always seen the value in each other. Yeah, for the most you know, part. Like nobody's, yeah, I mean, and if people have a, a temporary misunderstanding or disagreement, they they get over themselves and they they are uh, uh uh, you know, and, and emotionally aware that you know what what about this person is triggering that I that I'm having this response, you know, and are they clearly is it something they're intentionally trying to do? Probably not. So what hap what what experience have I had previously in my life that this reminds me of right. that I can isolate right. with something somebody else did or somebody else introduced. That has nothing to do with this person and is, is, is not this person's fault. And, you know, everybody can, uh, which I wish more people would do that. Um, yeah, but everybody, no, but he's a super cool guy. And, um, and I think you did, I mean, and obviously, you know, similar, similar DNA in the whole thing, but I think you did an excellent job of, um, cultivating a, a, a person who is who is polite and and just just a, a polite a polite contributing human so indeed so I like him very much it is yeah. he brought me grandchildren which 
it was kind of like, here's my replacement, but, but, uh, I, I like, I like that. I, I, I don't think I'm going to put them up for adoption. Well, you know, I, I try to tell people just because you're not going to exercise an option doesn't mean you need to take it off the table. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I was open-ended. I said, I don't think I'm going to. Going back to our circle, I had a situation where um, we were all meeting for lunch in Raleigh. I, I don't think you were there, but a bunch of us and one one person who uh, we both know joined that that lunch, and a couple of my friends were like, "What's wrong with that guy?" And I'm like, "What? He he's cool." And man, they saw something that clearly we missed because shortly thereafter, when his true colors were exposed, oh my goodness, what a fragile male ego tiny human being he turned out to be and uh it it solidified the fact that the people that i care about and i consider part of my circle they're i'm, I'm impressed by them and happy that they're in my lives when you guys have a thought i listen and uh, I don't do that with everybody, that's for damn sure. And I almost wonder that if that will define the people that I'm able to keep in my life is whether they are not only wise and, and, and aware, but willing to express their thoughts because hopefully I can be communicated with. And uh, that was certainly was a, a fine case of that. You, the people that I talk to and are in my lives just have a, a certain quality, and I'm very happy to have met them. And it really, and it's weird because so much of it ties around uh, the the film group. I won't name her name, but you know, her and her and my wife still hang out. And in my life, when I decided to check out how films were made and to do it it changed my life within days i mean two weeks later i'm in a relationship that i'm in now so everybody go find your art even if it's just for you but when you do find your art you uh you're probably going to meet like-minded people that are worth hanging out with Yeah, well, I think that gets back to the the thing you mentioned earlier about what's what's wrong with um, the people that fall down like the, the Tate rabbit hole or whatever that they have been conditioned to not explore that, and so. But obviously, part of our you know our I guess uh, our our you know hero's journey as we go through life. I mean, you have to go out, you have to meet people. Um, uh, and definitely I'd say if anybody has a chance to, to read or research Joseph Campbell, um, do it because I mean, we all go through these, um, it's just part of life. And, 
you're never you're never not on the journey. And if you're and, and and if you finger quotes are not on the journey, you should really be concerned because if you're having an active, engaged life that's moving forward, you're going to run into situations and you're going to meet people and you're going to, you know, I mean, you're going to, you're going to have these experiences. Uh, but that's, I think part of the, part of the issue where people fall down that Tate rabbit hole is, uh, they are, well, a lot of them, I know cause I've seen people. Did we hear a beep and Jordan You you with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, right on, right on. I had to switch mic. Sorry about that. I was talking, talking. Um, did you hear Joseph Campbell? Yes. Yes. Right on. Okay. Um. Uh. Anyway, but. but, but a big concern I have, and maybe it's, I, I, I'm sure this is not regional. I mean, you know, uh, I think a lot of it's down here because people still wallow in the, in the muck of, you know, Confederate guilt and, and, uh, and, you know, clinging, clinging to something because, you know, their great granddaddy was on the wrong side of history. Um, but, um, the wrong side of decent. Well, the wrong side of, well, the wrong side of the firing line. But anyway, uh, but I'm not trying to dump on them to, to reinforce those ideals and want them to understand that they, you know, just because you have somebody's, you know, that we're all composites of other people's DNA and, you know, we're only here for, for the blink of an eye. So let's try to be, be better than, uh, than other people are, want us to do. But, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, there was a specifically, and this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, but there was a guy I grew up with, elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever. We worked together for a while. And I met his son one time at the office. Um, and his son was four or five, maybe. Uh, and his son was, uh, I don't know if he was looking at something that was pretty or artistic or whatever, but he really liked it. And this dude was like, uh, Quit doing that or whatever. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. This is, this is, this is where self-hatred comes from. Yeah, this is why people go down that rabbit hole. They're, they're shit on and discriminated against because I get it. It's a cycle of violence, a cycle of self-hatred, a cycle of emotional torture, a cycle of you don't conform to our values. You're a piece of shit. Who's going to burn in hell or whatever nonsense that they, that they've conditioned themselves to believe. But it's, but it's just stuff like that where they're, they're just taught to hate, hate who they are. And, and instead of accepting that, you know, we're all flawed, we're all this, we're all that, you got to work through the process, you know, and that's half the reason, you know, you see the whole, um, that's why you see pictures of, uh, of, uh, church revivals and people are on the ground screaming and crying and their eyes are bloodshot and snots shooting out of their nose and the tears and all this. Yeah, yeah, and they're just conditioned to, you know, well, you're a piece of shit, and you're going to burn in hell, and, you know, unless you uh, abdicate 
your spiritual life uh and and you know become a you know a slave to the that's how people you know uh are taught real freedom is through slavery like get get, get the hell out of here get get out of here um i'll just politely i'll just describe it as get out of here um which again you know they scream about freedom scream about this you you're never if you're if your validity in the universe comes through ultimate submission, then you're not free. You're a slave. So please stop screaming about your, your freedom. Cause it's not real. Um, you know, that's like people in North Korea screaming about how free they are. Do you want a spiritual Kim Jong-un? Is that what you want? I personally do not. I mean, if I have well, an option, if there's a menu of options and it's on there, I'm not going to select it. As my as my as my favorite person, who's uh, I I am a fa- fan of the Second Amendment when it comes. Well, I mean, because I think you should have to register yourself. But uh, when it comes to uh, when I'm a big fan of uh, the right to bear arms, you know what I think about you as a smart person. Uh, what's that? Sometimes you got to be uh, smarter than the uh, average bear. Oh, yeah. yeah that boo, was a boo. long way to get to that. Uh, boo, boo. That is uh, what we are talking about. Yeah, it was a long way to get to that. I, I, when I start, when I started that, I realized there's no, there's no direct way to, to get, <laughs> to get from, uh, point A to, uh, the, 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 the punchline, but, uh, that should go on a T-shirt, and it be the motto of this show. What about Boo Boo or Smart and the Average Bear? Uh, just to be as convoluted as possible, insane, well, and making a point. I try. That's my goal in all of this: is to well, ultimately, at the end of it, make people realize that we were just building up to a punchline, and that punchline is. Because telephone poles don't have feathers. And then Yeah, well that was the magic us. Yeah. Yeah, well Norm Macdonald, that was always the magic of Norm Macdonald. Yeah, like he was the king of the shag, shaggy dog joke. Right. You know, and like all his jokes were shaggy dog jokes. Um and for people that don't know what a shaggy dog joke is, it's a long exposition and setup, in this case with a shaggy dog. And the, 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 the case specifically, the more traditional version of that joke is along the lines of, uh, the, you know, this lady had a dog. People said, Oh, it's the most magnificent dog they've ever seen. This is the abridged version, the heavily abridged version. It's, uh, Oh, well, Sally, you need to take your, your, uh, Shaggy dog, it's the most magnificent shaggy dog we've ever seen. Oh Lord, my kids see it and they think it's a character from Star Wars and they want to ride it. And we think if Santa Claus had a dog, it would look like your amazing shaggy dog, like it was a thing from the Himalayas. And that, you know, when the reptilian society landed here a hundred million years ago and they see the life on earth and the in the Himalayas and, uh, the, uh, you know, that's been appropriated by, uh, 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 
H.P. Lovecraft and and various writers and was a subplot of the G.I. Joe movie. Um, uh, they was about the premise around that, oh, the magic of this shaggy dog. You should get this dog to compete in a local contest. And Sally says, oh, my God, yes, takes it to the local dog contest, wins best fur, best coat, best everything. They give the dog a coat to wear on top of its dog coat. They send it off. The dog wins multiple competitions uh, locally, statewide, regionally in the United States. And it goes to the Westminster Dog Show to compete against the finest dogs in the world. And then specifically in the Shaggy Dog Competition, uh, weeks go by, months go by, preparation, training, grooming, letting the fluff grow out, the the, the uh, condition conditioning products and we don't want to have too many chemicals in our uh, conditioning products, uh, but we've got to have the best coat available on this dog. And oh, Lord Sally, your dog—it's—it's it's, you're gonna you're gonna be the grand champion of the world. And so they get to Westminster. They go through night one, night two, night three. They preempt WWE. They take it off TV because once a year when they have Westminster wrestling gets moved off Monday nights. So they do all this. Gets to the thing, the final night of the contest, the judges' votes come in, and uh, the the judge says, as they hand out the awards, uh, not a very shaggy dog. <laughs> and that was the abridged version. That's the abridged version. I mean, there's famous <laughs> versions of it, like you know, the aristocrats. Basically, it's a donut joke where there's the, the first, the beginning, the punchline, and you just make up stuff and you go on for as long as possible. Thing, so. Uh, but also, speaking of shaggy dogs, uh, I always think maybe part of, uh, uh, the former president's issue is, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of people shaming sex workers. Like, do, like, these are not necessarily folks who said, well, let me go get my PhD and study abroad and have my loans paid off as much as it was. Well, I'm an attractive person. Uh, do I want to, uh, who was not able necessarily to have opportunity. I mean, some people voluntarily do it, but I'm just not a fan of, but also I'm not a fan of it because generally speaking, the only people who are out there shaming sex workers are the people who could not meet women uh, that attractive in real life or they're stuck in shitty marriages they hate and they're embarrassed to be seen in public with their not aesthetically pleasing spouse. But, uh, he probably would have been a lot better off if he didn't say things like, uh, you remind me of my daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think half the reason uh, when you, when you hear people trying to shame stormy Daniels, be concerned that they might also be people who have questionable thoughts about their daughter. Well, I, I must ask you, are you on your third cup of coffee yet? Uh, well, yeah, I, I think I I am, and I'm about to walk back for number four. So okay, so lumbering in the background. The the only, the reason he went in that direction is because it was the only way he can get aroused if it reminds him of his daughter. Oh yeah, because he's because I said I didn't want to make uh, jokes about uh, arousal <laughs> or erection, and. Uh, and you said, am I aroused? And I said, yes, I've only had my second cup of coffee. Right. Yeah, no, I see what you did there. That was pretty slick because uh, I totally walked right into it. As, uh, as uh, I guess that's another joke onto its own about walking into it. But I guess in Trump's case, you'll, you know, or as pal Lindsey Graham, they back up onto it. But um, 
Yeah, you got me. You got me. You got me. Well, you Do set you up qualifiers, man. You you set up clear boundaries, which enabled me to put my toes right over them. Yeah, well, that's uh sounds like you made another joke, joke about Trump right there about putting toes over boundaries, but. Uh, Do you remember, speaking of boundaries, do you ever remember seeing, I think I, obviously I don't think I saw it when it happened originally, um, but you can find it on YouTube, anybody listening can find it on YouTube. Do you remember Double Dare on Nickelodeon, the competition show? Yes, very much so. Okay, so Mark Summers, who had hosted that show, I don't remember a great deal about him, but he was a very personable, energetic guy. But I think he had a situation, a personal life situation, not unlike Kelsey Grammer's. And I might be misremembering this, so don't hold me to this. But where there was just a lot of, like, unfortunate things that happened. I mean, Kelsey Grammer's life, just tremendous amounts of tragedy and... uh, uh, horrific, horrific things that happened to, to people in his family and really just a lot of psychological trauma uh, to him. But there's this episode of, I think, it was, I think Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. Um, but it's he and Burt Reynolds are on there, and it's when Burt Reynolds was just not, Burt Reynolds was uh, in the phase of his life that I think we've all gone through, and hopefully, I, I feel like I'm past it, but the kind of thing where it was like, if you met me between... This date and this date, I'm sorry. <laughs> but right. he and he and Mark, but I mean, they were like, you can go back and watch this. And at some point, they did like a pie in the face uh, duel. And I mean, you you you'd have thought they were going to like explode into violence the entire time. And and it's when uh. Well, Burt Reynolds got dragged a lot. I mean, he was a super talented guy. You know, for a while, people don't understand this. People think of Burt Reynolds, the caricature, now with the mustache. And, you know, Norm MacDonald used to play Burt Reynolds. But Norm MacDonald loved Burt Reynolds. Right. And people, and that's half the problem with all these, I don't like to call people idiots, but uh, intellectually underdeveloped folks, who think that, don't understand that stuff like that was done out of love and reverence. And yes, it was funny, but it was done out of love and reverence. Um, but especially in the eighties and into the nineties, Burt Reynolds was getting fucking trashed by the media and by people, generally speaking, by people who were jealous of his success, uh, and just had a horrific, terrible divorce from Lonnie Anderson. And at that point in time, wasn't putting up with anybody's shit. And, uh, so to watch the tension on that show, and again, it's on YouTube. I haven't looked it up recently, but just recall it from memory. But it was just out of, and I think he also was dealing with a lot of private health issues because you can kind of see there was a very specific line in the sand in the 80s where he started wearing toupees all the time and started wearing like prosthetic uh, like facial hair. You know, oh wow! Like, I mean, I, I knew the toupees were there, but you really went with uh, fake facial hair. Yeah, I mean, if you watched, I think there was a Larry King hair. interview. Yeah, because I don't know if, if it was like cancer treatments or what he was dealing with, but I think he was, you know, 
just somebody who, um, and that's one thing I don't like about social media is everybody. I mean, I understand people are dealing with stuff and that's how they, they feel comfortable sharing. But I, you know, as, as somebody who's, who's watched people they loved, uh, go through years of, of treatments and never complain once and sure as shit never cry on social media about it. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I guess people process things differently and I try to have a compassionate heart to understand people are different, but I'm just not a, not a fan of, uh, people, especially when it's people. I just say people that try to be baby faces about, about health issues when they've been, yeah, I'll just, I'll just, uh, what do you think about Pedro doing a smoky and a bandit? Uh, Pedro, the guy that was on uh, the real world on MTV who passed away or Pedro, the guy from, uh, 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 Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Pedro Pascal. Oh, Pedro Pascal. I like, I like him a lot. I like, but see, he's the same thing I, we get back to. He's a perfect example of, um, the thing we were talking about earlier about men generally speaking, achieve success later in life. And so I don't have any problem with that because I think he's funny. I think he's witty. He has the right timing. Is that a real thing or are you just throwing that out there? Well, a lot of people have drawn the same conclusion that he, uh, especially in Kingsman, I mean, that was Burt Reynolds. Yeah, he was, he was amazing in that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great admirer of his work and I think he, uh, does a great job. And that's the thing about Burt Reynolds. And, and I know we got to wrap it up here in a second. When I said that's the great thing about Burt Reynolds, they, I think they have the same kind of, I think if people had to go through what Burt Reynolds went through publicly, they'd, they'd have, they'd have blown up in public like he did also. But I think if, and if you go back and watch Deliverance, it's a great example of, uh, Burt Reynolds deconstructed fake, I guess people now call it toxic masculinity. And if you watch Deliverance, Burt Reynolds does, I mean, he should have won an Academy Award for it. At the beginning of the film, he plays the fake macho whatever. And that is deconstructed throughout the film. And I think it, he shows the vulnerability. He shows the weakness. I mean, he breaks down in tears at the end of the movie because his perceptions of masculinity have been destroyed and, and literally to the point of physical violation, you know, that, that Ned Beatty's character had to go through and, right. and, and all that with John Boy, you know, and Ryan. Co- I mean, and so I think Pedro Pascal has that, but Pascal is able to have the career opportunities Burt Reynolds never had because I think people are more insightful now and more considerate um, in ways that, well, because again, in the early eighties, you know, late seventies and eighties, John Wayne wasn't dead yet. And I think now again, people understand John Wayne's dead uh, a little bit more, but it's a generational thing. And, but I, yeah, I, I would, I would not be opposed to that. I mean, you know, I'm, I've been flattered when people have, in the, and I think in a positive way, mostly because of my mustache, politely compared me to uh to, to Burt Reynolds before with the chest hair and the stash or whatever. But um anyway, brother, happy uh happy Friday and it I is. hope everybody has an amazing day. And uh you know, you know, go out in the world, be kind to people, uh be your own hero and uh and just 
you know, again, you meet people, you think they're a dickhead today. It might be the worst day of their life. Just be compassionate, considerate, and, uh, and uh, you know. Man, I hope I never, meet people never... on the worst day of their lives. And I hope it's not a bad day. Yeah, well, you know, you All never right. know when you, we, you uh, need to be the friend. Uh, we are going to wrap right. this yeah. on up, man. I, now, I want to revisit that because that, that felt warm and fuzzy when I said it. But yeah, we're going to be in the studio all weekend. Um, we got to, um, I want to take five million pictures. So, uh, if you got time, hit me up. I always have time for you. I always <laughs> have time for you. Nice. Later, man. All right, brother. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.